is the city that started it all. It's a beautiful day. What a priceless goal that could prove to be. He's going to unleash one. Oh! Sheffield Wednesday celebrate. Billy Sharp, you do not leave that man unmarked in the box. Sheffield United have the lead. the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum. A very good evening to you. Welcome along to Monday Night's Football Forum here on Captivate, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music as well. It is the 1st of February. We've hit the second month of the year and it feels like we've only just, we've had about 10 months of January. Uh, Joseph Hadfield here to go to the weekend's action. Josh Chapman and Connor Thorpe providing the analysis as always. Evening, fellas. Good evening. Evening. It's the show where we discuss the Blades and the Owls and there's all the big talking points from across British football as well. So here's what's to come in the next hour. Jesus, didn't United do well despite a 10-second silly spell as the Blades are narrowly defeated once more by a goal to nil against Man City? Palmer passes to put the points past Pep Preston. I knew that I was going to mess up there. Uh, Wednesday lad Liam with his first goal for nine and a half years. That's about as long as this lockdown feel like feels like it's been going on. To give Wednesday a 1-0 hosting the Lillywhites. In the top stories, the Seagulls sink Spurs at the seaside. Trossard with the only goal of the game as Brighton take a shock 1-0 win with Bale looking like he just doesn't give a tross. And speaking of golf, Villa look like they're getting quite a fair rub of the green and claret in fact with Dean Smith's side thankful for all that cash in both senses. We take a look at some of the latest Premier League results. We also turn our attention to the midweek action, as it's yet another doubleheader as Wednesday head to do their own double over Bournemouth. And United need to baggy themselves a must-win three points as they welcome West Brom. And another round of unpredictable, a rare round of midweek predictions. So is it business as usual for us three? Short answer, yes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and on your smart speaker. Alexa, play Shoe Football Forum. We are still Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Football Forum. And it's live. Thanks for joining us. Great to have your company uh, on whatever platform that is you're listening back to us on. And it's quiz question time. Mr Chapman has the floor tonight. Absolutely. And uh, it's a... Straightforward question tonight, but not necessarily a straightforward answer. So we're focused on the championship uh, in this quiz question. There is one team in the top 10 championship. uh, So sorry, one team top 10 in the championship at the moment uh, who has got a negative goal difference. Uh, Who are that team? So there's only one team in the top 10 in the championship right now with a negative goal difference. Who is it? I will just close down my... uh my Premier League league table and not give myself access to look at that. Um, so the question that Chappers is looking for, pretty straightforward uh, this week, is there is one team in the Championship that has, or in the top 10 in the Championship, as you said, uh, that has a negative goal difference and what team is it? So me and Connor have got, and you as well, as well, uh, have got until the end of the show to have a think about that one. And uh, we will reveal the answer at the end of the show. Uh, but we're going to kick off this uh, edition of Football Forum by talking Sheffield Wednesday and after that um, 
after the return to uh, to football, shall we say, after a few weeks off in the FA Cup, and then that midweek defeat at Coventry, it was back to business as usual in S6 at Hillsborough. Uh, and they welcomed a Preston side that uh, sat 11th in the league table, Wednesday, as we know, in 23rd. And the Owls were looking to make it four home wins on the spin for the first time in uh, in just over five years, since January 2016. Chappers has the answer in a second, but here's Andy Giddens. Patterson launches a long throw into the penalty area, Lee's underneath it, into the penalty area, Goldmouth scramble, and Wednesday have knocked the ball over the line. They've opened the scoring here against Preston North End, and it's a tap-in from close range and justifiable opportunity taken after all of that pressure, and Wednesday lead Preston by a goal to nil. Sheffield Wednesday up against Preston. Chappers, you have the answer for us. Absolutely. And in a game synonymous with the pretty abject way in which championship games are being played this season, Sheffield Wednesday scored the game's only goal to secure another vital three points in the hunt for championship survival. Liam Palmer, as uh, Joseph said earlier, scored his first Owls goal in over nine years on the stroke of half-time as he tapped home unmarked from six yards out after the ball was headed back across by Elias Kachunga. Wednesday were never really under much pressure, uh, pressure to keep the ball out of their own net, but defended well uh, when they needed to and dug in to earn the three points. And here is what caretaker boss Neil Thompson had to say. It was a tough game. We knew it was going to be a dogged game against Preston. They're a good team. Um, you know, and they're, they're a team that you play against and you're in the game and you get beat. We've done that many times and, and it was good to see one out today. And the biggest thing for me was getting a reaction from midweek. And that's always key. You know, you've got to be able to bounce back. And I showed that all, I thought all the players today, from one to 11 to the subs who came on to the subs on the bench, I, showed, I think they showed an awful lot of character today. Work rate's free. That doesn't cost a penny. You know, you, 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 that's, that's a given. You know, we've we got to have that. And then we're looking for who's got that bit of quality to tell at the end of the game. Or, you know, whether it's a tackle or a pass or a finish, it don't matter. But work rate, you know, that's something you've got to do. That's, that's the job of a footballer, you know. Neil Thompson there talking after his side's 1-0 victory at home against Preston. And Connor, what were your thoughts on the game? It's uh, it's the fourth consecutive home win um, This well for you um, for, for Wednesday. That's quite an achievement considering Wednesday's recent, uh, recent form. Yep, yeah, I think um, in 2020 it took us 11 months or 10 months to get our second home victory of the calendar year and today this sorry this year it's taken us 30 days so that's an improvement obviously the home form has has dramatically improved I mean if you after entertainment don't bother watching Sheffield Wednesday and also don't include us on your both teams to score Acker because we haven't had a game in which both teams have scored in the last five and three of our last four home wins have, have all come by the scoreline of one nil so Certainly not the most entertaining, but there's been a lot more attacking intent under Neil Thompson. I think that's fair to say. Even at Coventry, when we were really poor and certainly a million miles away from a decent performance, the attacking intent was there at least, and we didn't put everyone behind the ball and sit in a low block like we did against Tony, like we did under Tony Pulis. We were just really poor. Against Preston, it certainly wasn't a game where we created loads of chances um, but we defended really well and that back three of Origidi, Sam Hutchinson and Tom Lees absolutely outstanding I thought we were brilliant defensively it's one of the best 
defensive performances I've seen from us this season. And Preston had more of the ball, 58% of it. And, you know, they in possession, they look like a better footballing team than us. I think that's fair to say. But with that possession, they didn't really carve out any opportunities, really. I think they had a chance in the second half. I think it might have been Alan Brown that had the, had the chance. Apart from that, there wasn't really anything of note that Preston created, despite having most of the ball, despite trying to get Ben Whiteman on it in deep areas to try and dictate. They never really threatened to play through us. A lot of it was in front of us. Um, and I thought, very strangely, one of the things I've moaned about a lot this season is the fact that we're throwing games away when we're in the lead and we're losing control of games. I thought, actually, we saw it out really well. And it was a controlled professional um, way in which we saw out the game and didn't really concede any any chances. I'm always nervous when we're holding a lead. doesn't matter how the game's going, uh, but I think that made me as at ease as I could be with that situation just, just because Preston never really put us under too much uh, pressure. And I think, you know, I, I talk about the fact that we don't look great in possession. We're still a pretty terrible side going forward. I think that's there for everyone to see. 16 goals this season, it's the lowest in the league. You look at our XG figures, they're also the lowest in the league. Um, but in terms of the goals conceded column, it's certainly not bad enough for a bottom three side. So that's, I think, where, what our foundations are going to be built upon. If we are going to survive, it's going to be a case of trying to keep clean sheets and just hoping that we can nick a goal to win, a, to win as a game. And if we do that enough times, hopefully we'll manage to pull ourselves out of this mess. But Still a long way to go. Four points adrift of safety with some big games coming up. And um, every game's going to be massive between now and the end of the season, that's fair to say. I mean, it was. I think it's fair to say that it was hardly a classic down at Hillsborough on, on Saturday. Two shots on target for Wednesday, three on target for Preston. But, you know, I guess the most important thing is that you scored a goal. Preston didn't score a goal. He dug in and... You know, despite the fact the performance wasn't particularly enlightening or entertaining or particularly thrilling, you know, you'll take three points over a good performance any day, surely. Absolutely. And when you're in the situation that we're in, you're probably not going to get too many thrilling performances. You might get the odd one where you, you, you catch, catch the opponent on a really bad day and you catch yourself on a really good day and you start creating chances and looking really potent going forward. But even when we have won, I don't really think there's been too many of those games. Probably the first half against Middlesbrough. No, not the first half against Middlesbrough. Um, I mean, we were, we were deep. I wouldn't, yeah, I don't even think I can remember a game this season where we've looked like that. But like you say, to get us out of the mess, it's going to be results that we need to get. However you get them, that's uh, secondary. I do care about performances. Um, and certainly long-term, I care about performances and the style of football that we play. But in the immediate term, it's just about getting ourselves enough points to drag us out of this mess. Um, and I think Thompson's proven as well that you don't have to sit deep and allow the opposition to get on top of you and try and break to be able to to get those victories. There was an element of us sort of going behind the ball and being solid and difficult to break down. But we tried to win the ball back higher up the pitch and... Although we're not playing great attacking football, the intent's there a lot more than it wasn't was under Pulis. It's just that we don't quite have the quality to play great attacking football. But we're certainly not letting the opposition dominate games like we were doing um, under Pulis, uh, the second half against Coventry aside. 
Now, as I'm sure lots of people know, it is deadline day. Um, Dom Housen is uh, talking about a potential uh, interest for, for Wednesday uh, in Wigan left back Tom Pierce. He's played 21 games in the league this season, got five assists, which is uh, not bad going for, for a 22-year-old lad. Uh, Wigan, as we know, are not in the best position financially and not in the best league position either. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one, Connor? And also, talking about uh, financial positions, we do understand that uh, Wednesday's players have now been fully paid. Um, a bit of an odd wage structure. Don't they get... Oh, no, ignore me. I'm, I'm getting mixed up with something else. Uh, but apparently the wages have been fully paid. So that's uh, also a little bit of good news on off the, off the field as well. Yeah, it is. And, and obviously that's something that needed to be put to bed before deadline day really kicked into gear for the Tom Pierce one. I wrote that script last night and I think it's even aged since then, but it's not looking likely that we're going to be able to make a move for him. I think Wigan want the money up front for him straight away. And we're not in a position to do that. I think we'd want to structure it in a way that would mean installments over a period of time. So that looks unlikely. And I think Dom Housen said that we're, we're focusing on loans now, which is, uh, it's is not to be, um, it's not unexpected, but I think he did also say that clubs are trying to offload players on permanence instead of loans. So it is pretty tricky. We need a striker, we need a left back. We need an attacking minded left back, I think, really, because if we're going to persist with five at the back, then we need somebody who's going to be able to play as a wing back. Um, I certainly think that worked well against Preston, uh, and that could be the way to go forward. But if not, and we do change to a four, you probably want someone who can slot in there as well, who can give you that balance going forward and and also be decent defensively. I know they're sometimes tricky to come by. So that's one priority. But I think a striker is probably an even bigger priority because if we don't sign a left-back, we've still got Matt Penny, who can who is an attacking-minded left-back, who probably needs a run of games before we can be too confident on him either way. We can use Liam Palmer there. If we play back five, you could look at playing Adam Reach there. Um, but up front is it, like we're painfully lacking in terms of a goal scorer and and somebody who creates chances for that player, no doubt about that. But certainly somebody who can sniff out half chances in the box and get some goals is needed. But I just can't think of anybody who. I, I could put my hat on and say, you know, we should go and sign him. I think if we're going to get anybody, it's going to be someone pretty unproven and somebody we might have to take a little bit of a gamble on, somebody who we can't guarantee is going to hit, hit the ground running because that's the position we're in at the minute. Well, we will find out who, if anyone, that Sheffield Wednesday signed by 11 o'clock tonight on uh, on Thursday's edition when we have a midweek review for Sheffield Wednesday. For now, though, that wraps up the Owls. Bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum. Football Forum here on uh, Amazon, Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Thank you for your company. Uh, so Wednesday's done its over to United now as uh, well, after those three points and that victory over Manchester United on Wednesday night of last week. Uh, they now faced a Manchester City side looking to make it six points out of six. Uh, playing both Manchester sides in the space of a week. This was a Man City side, though. They were also without Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero for, uh, I think it was an injury and COVID reasons, respectively. So let's find out how 
the blades got on in the company of Adam Oxley. Oh, Ampadu with a little back header there. A slip in the box by Man City. Ampadu in again, but they've managed to work the ball in the area. And just as we say it, Gabriel Jesus will find the goal. An error from the right. The Blades were trying to see the ball out at the byline. It's fed into the area, and in the six-yard box, Ramsdale had absolutely no chance. And Gabriel Jesus gets his third Premier League goal of the season, his sixth overall. We've played eight and a half minutes. It's Manchester City 1, Sheffield United 0. Sheffield United there at Manchester City, and Connor has the details. Yeah, after that stunning win at Man United in midweek, the Blades couldn't quite make it at Manchester double. But they certainly didn't disgrace themselves as they lost 1-0 at Manchester City. And it was an early goal that settled the clash as Gabriel Jesus converted a Ferran Torres cross after just nine minutes. And from there, neither team created a massive deal. It has to be said, it was a game where Man City enjoyed a lot of the ball. United looked pretty solid defensively. And to be fair, limited City to quite a few chances. City have scored a lot of goals against many better teams than Sheffield United and after nine minutes, you could be forgiven for thinking that City might run away with it because United's defence hasn't been as good as it has been last season. But the Blades managed to keep it at 1-0 and, and gave themselves a chance at the end, but unfortunately couldn't carve out an equalising goal. And here's what Chris Wilder said. You've got to be spot on in terms of your organisation and, and your shape of your team. I think people understand that I can't come here and, and, and open up maybe like we have done in the Championship or, 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 or League One. This is Manchester City. This is one of Europe's top sides uh, against arguably the best manager in, the, in, 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 the, in world football. So you get punished if you open up too much. So I thought the balance was, was good. The, the, the goal was disappointing. It was always going to be a long afternoon from then on, but... We stuck at it. You could hear the players say, stay in the game, stay in the game. Um, you could hear myself saying we need to take a little bit more of a pass when we had to, which I think we did second half uh, and that allow us a little bit of possession. But it was always going to be the game that I expected it to be and what was seen. And then at, at, the, at, at the death in the last 15 minutes, you know, we open up and see if we can get some from the game. But just a bit disappointed that we, that we didn't. But our season is not going to be defined uh, on, on what's happened today, it's going to be defined on, on the next 17, 18 games. And I really believe that we can we can get some out of those games that will make it competitive and, uh, and then make it interesting. Chris Wilder there reacting to another defeat for Sheffield United and Chappers. This, this is a difficult one because losing 1-0 at Man City is no disgrace. But in terms of the weekend in general, it's actually been a bit of a disastrous one for Sheffield United. Fulham and West Brom drawing is probably a good result, but Brighton picking up a win means that you're now 13 points behind. It's, it's becoming more and more of an arduous task by the looks of it. But let's start with the performance itself against Man City. How would you sum it up? Yeah, you're right. Results definitely haven't gone our way and it, it does seem a little bit of an, of an inevitability um, that United will probably end up on the wrong side of the uh, the dotted relegation line. Um, but if we talk about performance, I actually thought we played quite well. Um, we seem to, as I said last week, we seem to be returning to the United of old. Um, difficult to break down. Um, teams really struggling to, to find a way through, limiting chances, defending really well. Um, and trying to get up the pitch, you know, on, sometimes on the counter attack, especially especially when you're playing a team like Man City, you're not going to be able to play the open, kind of expansive, fleet, free flowing football that you would probably want to. Um, but for 
15 seconds where we defended horrendously and you know got punished for it I actually thought we did all right but it, it's difficult isn't it you know generally if you play a a team either lower down the division or you know in a, in a lower league in the cup or whatever you get away with defending a little you know like that but you can't get away with that against Man City because they're, they're going to punish you uh, Ferran Torres does excellently to A, keep the ball in and then B, get away from Bogle and Ampadu. Um, Basham, I can understand what he's trying to do because you would expect Torres to, to probably pull it back rather than play it square. Um, but you can't leave Jesus a yard and a half, two yards away from goal on his own. You can't do that. You, you're asking for it. Um, but like I said, I can understand what he was trying to do. And like I said, we got punished for it. But I thought overall performance wasn't bad. I thought um, there were times where we gave the ball away a bit cheaply. Um, one of one of the things that does frustrate me when we're playing a a top team, you know, a team full of quality, is how cheaply we give away the ball. Because I think sometimes we've been guilty of it numerous times this season, where we've treated the football a little bit like a hot potato. We don't really want to keep it in and around our own area, which is understandable. Uh, but to compensate for that, we ended up well, we end up just oofing it clear. You know, it gets recycled by City's rear guard and they come again and we, you know, we, we don't necessarily help ourselves in that regard. You know, we don't keep the ball um, as much as we should. But, you know, I, I thought we played all right. Like I said, limited City to not a great deal of chances. Um, Ramsdale, I thought, I know we're going to probably come on to him a little bit soon, uh, but I thought he had he had a good performance, made a couple of decent saves. You can tell his confidence is growing, which is which is always what you want to see. Um, and yeah, it, it was an all right performance. But at the end of the day, you know, we you don't get points for an all right performance. You've got to get points by sticking the ball in the back of the net, and we didn't do that. So, you know, here we are on the end of another defeat. Yeah, it's only one nil. Yeah, it's to Manchester City, which is a little bit of a you know, you, you expect to lose against City, but you know, it's it's another question of what could have been, I guess. Yeah, and. I suppose another positive we could come on to, like I said about Aaron Ramsdale, he's had a fantastic week, really. Pulled off some good saves against Man United. Pulled off a great save towards the end uh, against Manchester City and has only conceded two goals against uh, you know the, the two of the top teams in the league. How important is that going to be for his confidence? Because we can see that he's pretty short on confidence when he's played for United a lot of times this season. Yeah, and I think part of the reason for that is that you know, he's made quite a few mistakes. Um, when you're trying to build your confidence, the last thing you want to do is, is make a mistake that leads to a goal, either directly or indirectly. Um, and he has done that quite a few times this season. But these last two games, he has looked a lot, lot better. Um, like I said, or like you said there, you know, he's made some good saves. He seems to be commanding his area a little bit better, coming out for crosses and, and not necessarily spilling them. Uh, which he has done quite a lot of times this this season. Teflon Ramsdale, as I like to reflect refer to him as, because the ball just does not stick to him. Um, but you know, he, he does seem to be getting better. We've got to remember, he still is only young. You know, he's not an, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and you know, he's he's going to make mistakes and he's going to learn. He's only twenty two years old, um, but he's got a lot of pressure on. You know his shoulders um, which which doesn't necessarily help him uh, but yeah it's great to see him you know pick some confidence up I think that can only be a good thing uh, for him 
for for the defenders in front of him because I think there's been times where you know the defenders probably haven't had a great deal of confidence in him. So times where they probably let the ball run through to the goalkeeper, they've actually got rid of just you know, just to be on the safe side. Um, but yeah, good to see that he's he's starting to be a little bit more confident in himself. Joseph can probably help me out with this one um, because on the script it says return partially of uh, French. Joie de vivre. It means enjoying life. Of what? Joie de vivre. Yeah, what's that mean? Like enjoyment of life. Oh right. Okay. Um, I expand on that. Do you know what? I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to ask about that because you know <laughs> I'm going to ask about John Fleck actually because Chris Wilder gave an interview today which was pretty funny yeah. <laughs> saying that uh, John Fleck's brother's been playing uh, for most of this season. How? Would you rate his last two performances and, and how important is it for United that we see a John Fleck that is um, performing to a high level? Well, obviously, Fleck, he's been, we said, and Chappers has said numerous times on this programme, that how good he was last season. We know Lundstrom, Norwood and Fleck were, part, were mainly the reason why Sheffield United was so good in terms of creating chances, getting goals and getting wins. And obviously, Sanderberg has come in, he's done really well as well and obviously start of this season we've really struggled and Norwood has been off the par by miles Lundstrom in my opinion has had his head in the money bags um, and he's sort of not been completely focused he looked much better in the past couple of games and Fleck especially Fleck is he's a little magician when he wants to be and uh, he's definitely proved in the last two games why he's back in that squad and uh, and improving the uh, the entire team, as it were. I'm sure Chappers can can further my point. Yeah, Fleck is such an important player for us um, and has been for the last three, four years since he's joined, really. He, he, his confidence on the ball is just lovely to watch. And, you know, the way he can just move away from players is is actually embarrassing at times because he, he just makes it look so effortless. There was a video going round of him just sending Bruno Fernandes for an art dog last week. Um, and you can just tell by Fernandes's reaction, it's just like, not again kind of thing. Um, but we are, you know, we have started to steer return to the, the fleck of old. Um, I didn't realise this, but United tweeted a quote from his, well, I listened to his interview this morning. Um, and one of the quotes was, uh, I fractured two bones in my back when I was playing with Scotland. It's took me some time to properly come back from that. I feel as if I'm starting to play better and as if the whole team is starting to play better as well. And I think, you know, not knowing that kind of hidden injury, we knew we were struggling with some kind of injury, but we didn't quite know what it was. Um, but I guess not knowing about that has been, it's made it difficult to, to kind of judge him on his performances. Um, but at the same time, it kind of explains them. And he has looked a lot, lot better in these last two games, both Man United and Man City. Um, he really was unplayable in that midfield. And like you said, Connor, Chris Wilder, very funny this morning in his interview, saying that uh, his brother Jimmy's been playing, but he's now gone back to Glasgow to play in the Highland Leagues. So uh, thank goodness for that. We've got the real John Fleck back. And I, just finally, before we round off, it is transfer deadline day. It's a fast-moving situation. Um, but... It doesn't look like United are going to bring anybody in. I think we kind of expected it anyway, but it probably concerns you to see Fulham, Brighton and West Brom all strengthening. United not moving to do that. We've got uh, saying that Michael Verrips is close to leaving on loan to join uh, 
FC Emmen in, in the Netherlands. Um, it's not really a, a piece of news that affects United's first team too much. I guess it's a, a good chance for him to get some first team minutes. But what do you make of the decision not to bring anybody in? I suppose it's a tough one because if you throw loads of money at signing somebody and get releg- get relegated, then it becomes a bit of a pointless waste of money. Are United waving the white flag a bit here? Uh, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, like you say, if you throw loads of money at it and it don't work and you get relegated, then you've, you know, you've lost a potentially a lot of money. Especially if you're bringing him in on loan, you could bring a, you know, smash a big loan fee. But at the same time, if you don't spend, then you know you're stuck with the same set of players that have arguably got you into this position, and you're not necessarily you can't improve on that squad. And you know, as a result, you expect results not to improve. So it's a fine, it's a difficult balance tonight. There were, you know, there was talk pre-Christmas, you know, November, December time that Chris Wilder had put names to the board and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, transfers, they were hoping to get business done early on in the transfer window. That's not happened. Um, It's become pretty clear that United aren't going to sign anybody. And it's been that case, or it seems like that case for the last week, week and a half, something like that. Um, I I, I don't know. I don't know if I can comment on it. Obviously, we saw this group of players last season, uh, performed to, to the levels that they did. And I think, you know, we have been very unlucky with with injuries. Um, something's obviously not been clicking this year. And I think that is probably A, down to injuries, but B, also down to not having fans in the ground. United have missed on the out on that more than any other team in that division, really. Um, I, 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 for me, you know, I've said this for, for weeks now, I think United are down. And I think it's probably not a bad, probably not a bad thing that we're not bringing anybody in because you're not trying to then offload players in the summer. You know, you've not spent a load of money in January, so you can build back better, as the you know Boris Johnson would say, you can build back better uh, for next season and go again in the championship, or we can pull a miraculous recovery off this season and still have that money available to us in the summer. To, to bring in some quality players to, to bolster our Premier League survival, well, Premier League chances next season. Exactly. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Chappers. And that is the first and only Boris quote that will be featured on Football Forum in its entire history. Absolutely. Um, but that is it with United and Wednesday all done and dusted. And uh, we will bring you the latest on if any uh, ins and outs regarding United in the midweek reviews in uh, a couple of days time after the uh, the West Brom game. We will feature uh, the West Brom game as we preview that in a little bit. Uh, but from now, from United and Wednesday, uh, Mr Chapman uh, will talk us through all the, uh, the latest goings on around South Yorkshire and North Derbyshire. It's the local roundup. Absolutely. And we're going to start in the Championship. Barnsley, now they had a bit of mixed form of uh, late. They've not won in the last five games now. uh, And that continued at the weekend as they drew 0-0 at uh, Nottingham Forest. Well, championship strugglers, Nottingham Forest. Uh, 0-0 draw there, so not a great deal to report. That result does leave Barnsley still mid-table, 12th in the table. But like I said, without a win in their last five games, their form has dipped a little bit recently. They'll be looking to rekindle that soon. Sticking in the Championship and it was uh, also a very disappointing afternoon for Rotherham United. They uh, played host to Swansea City who were flying high in the Championship table and uh, well they showed why they are up there. Uh, new signing Connor Howrahan uh, who joined on loan from Aston Villas opening the scoring in the 28th minute at the New York Stadium before Matt Grimes doubling that lead 10 minutes later. Freddie Ladapple pulled one back in the 65th for Rotherham but Jay Fulton wrapped up 
a three goal and three point performance for the Swans. That result leaves Rotherham still in the relegation zone, three points from safety, 22nd position in the table, but they do have two games in hand on Nottingham Forest, who are in 21st position. Moving down into League One and Donny Rovers, fantastic form continues. They travel to fellow promotion chase in Lincoln City. And uh, it was a great result for Donny Rovers. They won 1-0 there. Uh, the game's only goal came from Taylor Richards on the quarter of the hour mark. Uh, but Donny Rovers held on to uh, secure all three points in that game. And like I say, that is now four wins in a row for the Rovers. Darren Moore's side, they're currently three points off the uh, automatic promotion places, currently sitting in third place in the table. However, they do have two games in hand on Lincoln in second and three games in hand on Hull City in first position who equally they are three points behind as well so Darren Moore's side going excellently down in League One and Chesterfield well their game was slightly spoiled by the fact they got a red card uh, fairly early on Tom Whelan sent off after 10 minutes before the game's uh, first goal however it was actually Chesterfield who opened the scoring Will Evans in the 17th minute uh, put the 10 men ahead before just uh, three minutes later Scott Wilson draw Dagenham, drew Dagenham Levith at level even Chesterfield went ahead again just before the break. Quasi Asante, the club's top scorer this season, putting them back in front on 40 minutes uh, before Sam Deering levelling things up for Dagenham in the second half. Chesterfield couldn't find a winner, but held on for a point uh, after going down to 10 men so early. And that result leaves Chesterfield currently 13th in the table. Uh, after a decent run of form of late, they are currently six points off the playoff spots. And that's your local roundup. This is Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Shoe Football Forum. Thank you for the company. Welcome along to another edition of Football Forum here on Spotify and wherever it is that you're listening back to us. Uh, so on to the top stories and uh, a look at the weekend's Premier League results. And we're going to start on uh, on Saturday with... Uh, we, should, we should have got Rob on for this one because uh, after 11 games without victory... Newcastle United have finally got themselves a win in the Premier League. Um, obviously not their first of the season, but uh, it feels like the first after it being so long since their last. Obviously, the defeat to Sheffield United being one of them. And Newcastle United, in all honesty, really looked in control, in my opinion. I've watched a, a, a short uh, montage of the highlights back. Um, Callum Wilson with both goals, in fact, in the 73rd and then finishing it off in the 93rd. Could have had a hat-trick, uh, if not for the left-hand sided post. Um, I thought they looked in control for most of the game. Connor, I don't know about you. Yeah, it was a, It was certainly not the Newcastle that we're used to seeing in recent weeks, this team that were just so passive. And I think the, the performance that they put in against Sheffield United the other week summed it up best, the fact that they went to a team who, with all due respect, lads, have picked up no wins in the season. I think they were on two points at the time and set up so negatively with five at the back, but a flat back five and nobody putting any pressure on any United players. And United played well that night, but I think a lot of it was down to how badly Newcastle was set up as well. But in this game, it was the complete opposite of that. Uh, they were absolutely brilliant, particularly in the first half. They actually pressed pretty high up the pitch and that's I think that was a, a massive part of the battle really because they just weren't doing that and they were allowing teams to get on top but they were also not being compact and not 
putting any pressure on the ball, but this was completely different. It was a change of shape. They went to a four at the back with the diamond in midfield, Wilson and Fraser up top. And they set about being more aggressive and winning the ball in higher positions. And I, I don't think Preston expected it. I think Preston, probably, sorry, Preston, I'm Freudian slip, Everton, thinking about Preston so much from the weekend, Everton probably didn't really expect it. They probably expected a Newcastle team that were going to sit behind the ball, be difficult to break down, but it certainly wasn't the case in the first half. They got themselves ahead. And in the second half, they didn't press high up, as high up the pitch, but they were solid defensively. They were a lot more compact than they've been in recent weeks and they offered a threat on the break. And that is, for me, that's a perfect away performance, I think, the, the way that they dictated in the first half and pressed high and aggressively, but then reacted and managed the game in the second half to, a, you know, you, you might not be able to keep up that level of pressing intensity for the full game, but to be sensible in how you do it and to have an out ball, Callum Wilson on the counter-attack, it was Jamal Lewis that, that set up the second goal as well by taking it down the left-hand side and then having the presence of mind to look up and pick out Wilson. Wilson's finish delayed a bit because he took a touch and I was thinking as he took it, uh, as he allowed too long for Pickford to get back and set himself, but no, it was a great finish. And uh, I do think, you, know, you do think to yourself, where would they be without Callum Wilson? He's scored so many goals this season for a team that just don't create many chances. Um, and he was the match winner to, in that game, but he did so much more than just score. He held the ball up so well, threat on the counter-attack. And if Newcastle, if that's going to be a new blueprint for how Newcastle play, they should be okay. But obviously you don't want to get too carried away after one good performance, but a much, much better performance from them and certainly a much needed one for Steve Bruce, who's under a lot of pressure at the minute. Absolutely. Uh, just to finish up Saturday's results, uh, Arsenal and Man United uh, settling for a nil-nil draw there. Palace with a 1-0 victory over Wolves. Uh, who saw that one come in? Not me, I should say. Uh, we obviously know about United's 1-0 defeat at Manchester City. As we were mentioning earlier, West Brom and Fulham drawing 2-2 at the Hawthorns. And um, moving on to Southampton's game against Aston Villa. Now, we have always maintained that Villa have been a little bit lucky, especially after um, the watch not being turned on uh, with the ghost goal back at the uh, the resumption of the Premier League last season when we played them. Aston Villa uh, getting quite a bit lucky, shall we say, uh, with a 1-0 victory away at Southampton. Ross Barkley with the goal in the 41st minute. Uh, two incidents, Chappers, mainly. We had Matty Cash um, handballing it. And I say that because it was a definite handball. We've no idea how the referee's not given that. And then uh, even VAR checked it and didn't see handball either. And then an offside that VAR said was offside. It was shoulder to toe. We know what VAR's like. But in all honesty, we've looked at it. And frankly... It's bang level, but as we know, bang level with VAR means it's offside. I knew that. A couple of decisions going Villa's way, um, which I'm sure Dean Smith won't be talking about because he seems to love it when uh, Villa don't get the decisions or they go against. Every Villa. manager does. Yeah, but as soon as it goes their way, <laughs> not just Dean Smith. It keeps quiet. Oh, yeah, but he's he's shocking for moaning about it when it don't go their way or it goes against him. Uh, anyway, yeah, first one. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand how Lee Mason's not give it in the first place. He's, he's stood looking at it. He's been going through, he's gone through the mill a lot recently, hasn't Lee Mason? Uh, Nuno Espirito Santo is not particularly happy with him, or wasn't particularly happy with him uh, a few weeks ago when Wolf, when he had 
uh, when he refereed against Wolves. Um, and it's a poor decision. I don't know how then Mike Dean's gone. Yeah, it's fine. I don't think you're wrong there. Um, and then, yeah, that offside one is particularly questionable. Um, it's very, 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 very close. Um, but, you know, it's gone in Villa's favour, hasn't it? And uh, decisions like that change games. Connor, if you want, I don't know if you want to add about, you know, Southampton more in general um, about how they've been playing recently. Well, obviously Southampton will be very frustrated because they actually played pretty well in this game. And Villa, it was kind of a, a complete reverse of what happened at Burnley where they created a lot of chances, um, got themselves in front, ended up losing the game. Villa were on the back foot for most of this, but and I don't I see you would praise Villa for being resilient and keeping a clean sheet in adversity, and they've done that a lot this season, and they deserve a lot of credit for how defensively solid they've been ever since um, Project Restart, really. But I don't really think you can give them too much credit on this performance. I think you have to criticise Southampton's finishing and the refereeing, which I'm not going to get into because we could have a debate about that forever, and it's just you know, I'd probably rather talk about football. Um, Southampton, the goals have dried up. The, you know they've kept eight clean sheets this season. Um, it's been difficult for them. Danny Ings has had issues this season. He's had injuries. He's had COVID. He's not been able to produce his his best form, but he is still the top scorer at the club. And um, you know it's the creating chances as well. That to be fair, they've got a lot of injuries. Southampton, and uh, that's a massive issue. They've Yannick Vestergaard at the back has been a massive miss for them. He's crucial to the way they play when other teams are pressing them as well. You've obviously had Ings, who's been out for large portions of the season. Kyle Walker-Peters is out at the minute. Romeo's out. They had a couple of muscle injuries against against, um, Aston Villa. So it's difficult for Southampton at the minute because they've got such a small squad as well um, that Ralph Hasenhutl plays a high-intensity style of football find it difficult to keep players fit and that's a massive reason for why their form's tailed off. Good win certainly for Aston Villa, it keeps them ninth in the Premier League table but uh, whether it was 100% moral, well I suppose they'll take it won't they? Uh, More Premier League in just a second. Joseph Hadfield, Josh Chapman and Connor Thorpe, this is Football Forum on Shoe Radio. With Football Forum here on Spotify, thank you for your company. So on to uh, Sunday's action in the Premier League. We're going to start at the London Stadium. West Ham United, who have been high-flying, to say the least, of recently. Fifth against fourth in the top flight. West Ham hosting Liverpool, and it was Liverpool that absolutely put the hammers to the sword. Uh, Mohamed Salah with, uh, with two goals for himself, 57th and the 68th minute. Uh, Ginny Wijnaldum added a third in the 84th before Craig Dawson, of all people, Craig Dawson, who scored the championship's first goal of the season last season. I remember that from a quiz question a few weeks ago. Um, He pulled one back, consolation, with three minutes to go. But, um, Connor, a pretty good result for Liverpool. Uh, West Ham, they didn't really expect to win this one. They stay in reasonable positions, but Liverpool, they need to just get back up there and they're back in a title race. Well, I don't really buy the idea that West Ham could have expected not to win this. I think this was a massive chance for West Ham to go and get a, a pot, at least a draw and maybe even a win against Liverpool. 
you look at that Liverpool team, Jordan Henderson and Nat Phillips at the back. To be fair, Phillips had a good game. You've got Divock Origi playing, Jordan Shakiri starting. This was a weakened Liverpool team and West Ham ran a great run of form. We spoke about their performance at Palace and how good they were. Just electric going forward, really created loads of chances. But I felt in this game, they played a bit within themselves. They, they, had, they played with a bit of an inferiority complex. I know they're not as good as the team as Liverpool, but certainly would have been good enough to give them a go. I think that attacking three of Ben Rama, Bowen and Fornells behind Antonio certainly could have caused Liverpool a lot of problems between the lines. Um, but they just seemed to defend quite deep in the first half. To be fair, Liverpool didn't really break them down. They looked a bit slow going forwards, especially without Mane and Firmino. More so Mane because Firmino's gone a bit off the boil. But they didn't look threatening. And in the second half, the game switched. Curtis Jones coming on was a was a big part in that. But obviously Mo Salah wins the game with with two goals. And the second one is brilliant, really. Brilliant football from Liverpool. The counter-attack from the corner, the ball from Curtis Jones as he just come on. And then that crossfield ball from Jordan Shakiri. He may not be the quickest, and he certainly doesn't make Liverpool play as quick as when they're playing with Mane uh, to you know to run in transition. But Shakiri's very good technically. He certainly can ping the ball with that left foot and it was a lovely delivery to Salah. And then the, the nonchalant touch round the keeper was just uh, very good to watch. And the third goal was a brilliant move as well, which Wijnaldum took advantage of. And yeah, it, it wasn't, you know, Liverpool have certainly aren't at their best at the minute and there's with good reason why, because they've got a lot of players out. But I was really impressed with how they turned it on in the second half after a really slow first half. West Ham with a 3-1 defeat, a good result for Liverpool, keeps them, as I say, in that title race. Uh, and we finish up uh, with some other results from Sunday night. Uh, Chelsea, Thomas Tuchel, he gets his first win as Chelsea boss, but uh, not the most exciting uh, game, shall we say. A 2-0 victory for them over Burnley. Leeds United with a 3-1 victory at Leicester City, exactly the opposite of what I predicted. Harvey Barnes with the uh, lead inside 13 minutes, Stuart Dallas with an instant response, and Patrick Bamford, for all we hate him, had the game of his life with a goal and two assists. Uh, but we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus instead on Brighton and Hove Albion, and uh, the one team that we didn't want to win this weekend for United fans they only went and did it. They beat Spurs 1-0, Trossard with the goal in the 17th chapters. And uh, Gareth Bale, he he started and got subbed off. I think his mind was more on golf than it was on Real Madrid. And uh, in all honesty, I think his mind's on golf more than Spurs. Yeah, Spurs really sluggish. Um, to be, and to be fair, you know, sluggish from the offset as well. Um, and they were, they were made to pay for it early on. You know, they, they got a warning sign from Pascal Gross hitting the post early on. Um, and they didn't react to it and they, they didn't start to kick into life. And, you know, Brighton got closer and, and went and scored from it, you know, just after a quarter of an hour. Great Brighton move down the right-hand side. Uh, great running behind by Pascal Gross, who turned provider this time, pulls it back for Leandro Trossard. And he stood there unmarked. I think it was Ben Davis couldn't get quite enough close to him, uh, but he stood there, stood there unmarked, buries it bottom corner. Larice is rooted and 1-0 up. And, and to be fair, you know, Brighton kept on coming. You, you mentioned Gareth Bale there, how he didn't have a particularly good performance. The one good thing he did was actually keep it from going from 2-0. Um, he had to clear off the off the line after, I think it was Lewis Dunk one header from a corner. 
And Brighton just kept coming. Like I say, Spurs just did not get into gear at all. Um, and late on, you looked at, you, you know, you looked to Aaron Connolly to think he, he should have probably finished it uh, and made it 2-0. I don't know how old of our elders managed to keep it out. You know, Connolly's, well, it, it was on the counter-attack. They've pulled it back. Connolly's there. All, all he's got to do is put it in an open net and somehow Alderweireld's got a block on. Uh, but, you know, Spurs, it's been a story of Spurs' a season sometimes against teams. You would kind of expect them to get results against or, you know, winning results against. They haven't done. You got a draw last night against Brighton, Fulham, Wolves and Palace. They've all drawn against. And, you you know, if, if you're Spurs and you're a Jose Mourinho team who is, who is obviously wanting to try and win Premier League titles, you need to be winning those kind of games. And that's no disrespect to those teams. But when you've got the quality that Spurs have, and I know they've got injuries to, to Harry Kane uh, and other players, but you've got to be doing a lot, lot better and you've really got to be punishing teams. And uh, Spurs just don't look like doing that at the minute. And for some reason, they just seem to struggle to get out of first gear. Indeed they do. Anyway, that is a lot from the top stories. And uh, one result to pick out from the EFL just while I'm at it, uh, Brentford with a 7-2 victory over Wickham. Uh, an amazing game that was. And uh, Brentford at home, beating a side near the bottom of the championship by a five-goal margin. Connor, ring any bells? Sorry, what was that? I'm multitasking there. What do you say? Brentford beating a, a side at home near the bottom of the league by a five-goal margin. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, no, because we weren't near the bottom of the league. We were actually 12 we goals. Now, though. Well, yeah, but, you know, we weren't when they beat us. Actually, that was the last Wednesday game I went to. And... Uh, what a game it was. <laughs> 11, nearly 11 months ago. And that, I mean, that's a lot more depressing than the result itself. Um, yeah, just get us back soon. <laughs> you want that feeling back. <laughs> Joseph, Josh and Connor. This is Football Forum, only on Shoe Radio. Thanks for joining us for Football Forum here on Spotify. Much appreciating your company. So it's on to the previews and uh, we have got another double header for you. And uh, well, it is a must win. It's a six pointer. If there ever was a six pointer, it's this one. Uh, we've got 13 points to make up on Brighton. So uh, three against a West Brom side that uh, managed to draw against Fulham. It would be nice. Well, it, it would be nice and it really needs to be nice come uh, comes nine o'clock on Tuesday night, Chappers. A uh, bit of information. We were talking about Michael Verrick's. It has been confirmed he's gone back to uh, to uh, the Netherlands and FC Emmen. Uh, no wins all season. 20 games played. Six points. Uh, it's like it sounds brilliant, really, doesn't it? Exactly. Um, but we say it's a must win. And obviously, West Brom have made a couple of signings themselves. Ainsley Maitland Niles has come on loan from Arsenal. And oh, here we go. Um, okay, Yakulslu. I think that's not bad pronunciation. He's from Celta de Vigo. Um, but as we say, regardless, this is a must win, and we really want to make Callum Robinson cry. Yeah, and Chris Wilder talked about the first part of that anyway, uh, earlier on in his press conference, he was saying that if any games are must win, you know, they're under no illusions. This is the one. Um, and after his press conference against City, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. The, his reaction with press conference from, from the City game, you know, he actually got me believing that we could potentially do it. You could tell that he'd not given up, which, which I, I guess is, 
you think, well, of course he's not giving up. It's his job not to give up. But at the same time, I just thought, you know, we're, we're so far down that I've given up. Uh, but he actually got me believing that, you know, we might be in with a chance of this. And obviously Brighton beating Spurs last night changed the perspective somewhat. But, um, you know, he believes, the players believe. And whilever that's the case, then you might as well have some kind of hope that we might do the impossible. Stranger things have happened in football and it'd be a proper Chris Wilder, Sheffield United thing if we managed to get out of it. Um, but yeah, undoubtedly a must-win game this one. Uh, West Brom, obviously closest rivals. I don't think we'll finish bottom of the table. West Brom are absolutely terrible. Uh, cannot defend, as I explained last week. Um, how many goals have they conceded in the last four? Well, three pre-Fulham, how many goals have they conceded? It was 22, a... wasn't it, in five games, I think it was. Exactly, and that speaks for itself. You know, they, they absolutely ship goals. They're not particularly affluent in goals themselves. I know Mateus Pereira's scored a few. Callum, uh, Callum Robinson has scored and set up a few. Um, but apart from that, they're not really uh, affluent in goals. I think probably after that, you've got, you look at Shemi Ajay for, for getting their goals, um, and that says something. Uh, when, when your centre-half's getting more goals than some of your strikers are. Um, but this is one we need to turn up and win. In fairness, we should have won the one at the Hawthorns uh, or at least got something from the game. The amount of chances we had in that game was absolutely mental. Uh, Conor Gallagher getting the only goal in that one, but we should have probably put four past them that day um, and somehow didn't. But tomorrow's the chance to make it right. should just say, we were making that point about how many goals they've conceded. That is only at home. Oh goodness! Not away. So, in all honesty, on the road they've uh, they've not done too bad because uh, they they lost to West Ham, but they they beat Wolves obviously that a uh, couple of weeks ago. So potentially they could cause well get the result. We hope they don't. Uh, Sheffield United up against West Brom is on uh, BT Sport as they have got all the Premier League games. Nineteenth uh, against twentieth, an eight o'clock kickoff on BT Sport two tomorrow night. Um. Connor, your prediction, please. Um, it's it's difficult. I think it's Sam Allardyce. West Brom are going to put men behind the ball and try and grind anything out they can. Part of me also thinks that West Brom are just as desperate to win this as Sheffield United. So could we see a really open game where both teams are going for it? I think that Allardyce will probably go with a plan where he will take advantage of the fact that United are going to be going for it and really need to win. And he's going to try and hit United on the counter-attack. Um, these new signings that are coming in, uh, M. by Dianya, who got an assist. Is it M. by Dianya? that got an assist against uh, Fulham at the weekend, apparently had a good game. Um, and then obviously Maitland-Niles coming in. We know he's certainly going to add something to their team. And uh, the guy from Celta Vigo, I don't know anything about really. But there's a few new signings in there, which mean we could expect to see some improvement from West Brom. Uh, but I would back United to win this. I think if the, the performances have improved in, in recent weeks, there's no doubt about that. The game at the Hawthorns was ridiculous. If you play that game 10 times again, United win nine of them because the amount of chances that they missed that night was just ridiculous. I know it's under a new manager now, Slavin, uh, not under Slavin Bilic anymore, so it would be a different game. But I think it's a game that United will win just 1-0. 1-0 for Connor. Uh, me, on the other hand, I don't think any side will win. I'm going to go a 1-1. Um, United, well, they've won a, one at home, one away. Drawn one at home, drawn one away. Uh, lost eight at home, lost nine away. So, maths, logic dictates they're going to lose this one. No, I'm saying a 1-1. West Brom's is exactly the same in terms of that. So, yeah, 1-1 for me, Chappers. 
Uh, I'm actually going to go 2-0 United, which is very brave. Um, but I think the players will be up for it and I think they'll know that they really do need to get a result in this one. Uh, so, yeah, 2-0 United. 2-0 United for Chappers and with United done it's over to Wednesday uh, because they have the task of travelling down to the South Coast to do a double. It doesn't happen very often, especially this season, but Sheffield Wednesday could do a league double over high-flying AFC Bournemouth. Connor, this is... Uh... High-flying? Well, they're fifth, aren't they? Or sixth? Yeah, but they've lost the last three games and they've not won in four and they've only won one of their last uh, seven. So this is a completely different one, really, because they were high-flying when they played us at Hillsborough. Uh, I think they might have been top of the league and we were really in a row, as we still are. Um, and we managed to win 1-0 against, completely against the odds. Um, this is a bit different. Um, I, I fancy is a, a bit more than I did before that game with the run there on. But we know what Wednesday are like. We're classically good at ending teams' uh, bad runs. And as bad as Bournemouth have looked in recent weeks, you look at some of the quality they've got on the day, they really can blow you away. And we have seen it in in sort of recent-ish weeks. We saw it in December with uh, the 4-0 win at Barnsley, the 5-0 win against Huddersfield. They are capable of doing that to teams. Um, but defensively, we're not too bad. I don't think we're going to score. We're not too bad defensively. So I think it might be a close-run game, and probably a more close-run game than a lot of people would expect. I think the issue lies with the fact that Bournemouth has... They've just got so much strength in depth. You looked, you look at that game against Reading and they were really poor in that first half, but they can bring on Jack Wilshire, David Brooks, Junior Stanislas, and that's just quite unfair, really, um, <laughs> compared to what we've got. So that's going to be the tricky thing. Um, they've got so much quality in that team, but they're in some, they're in really dire form and I'm far from convinced on Jason Tindall. It's his first season in management. At the minute, you know, after a good start, he's certainly not managing to get a tune out of a lot of those players that are undoubtedly some of the best players in the league. So I'm far from convinced on on him. Um, and I think we'll, I think we'll, it'll be a close run game. I think they'll probably just have enough to beat us. I think it'll be one nil to Bournemouth. But um, I won't count us out of it. 1-0 to Bournemouth for Connor. Uh, me, on the other hand, I'm, well, I'm going 2-0 Bournemouth. I mean, you look at Bournemouth, they do, their home form is particularly good. Wednesday's strongest point is their home form as well. On the road, you have been struggling. So I'm going to say 2-0 to Bournemouth. As you say, Bournemouth in sixth, uh, Wednesday in 23rd, seven o'clock kickoff tomorrow night. And it is on I follow for 10 quid. Uh, Chappers, your prediction. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1 Bournemouth, uh, or am I? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go 3-1 Bournemouth. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, Bournemouth's format has been absolutely appalling of late. They don't dis uh, discount from the fact they've got some excellent players, especially going forward. They'll want to put it right. Uh, provides a perfect opportunity for them, 3-1. 3-1 for Chappers, and uh, we'll have more predictions in just a minute. Uh, as we say, a double header, and it's the midweek reviews for Football Forum, uh, and they'll drop on Thursday. That mountain that they need to climb is getting steeper every week. I, I honestly, I think we're in big trouble. It's rotten to the core, to be honest. It's not a good time to be a Sheffield United fan. 2-1 defeat away at the Figgin. Connor, uh, Figgin, Figgin, Figgin. <laughs> I don't know. Where did that come I'm from? Tight. The biggest guess. Oh, morning, mate. All right. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Joseph Hadfield. Oh, goodness me. 
so Basilea. <laughs> Josh Chapman. Oh, wow. It was awful. Connor Thorpe. It was a, an absolutely massive win. Cardinal Redis. <laughs> Cardin wow. already. I can't believe I've just said <laughs> We are still Sheffield Hallam's number one football show. This is Football Forum. Thursdays from 5.15. Only on Shoe Radio. Yes, Football Forum back uh, 8 o'clock Thursday night in your usual podcast provider. We'll have a United and a Wednesday episode as well. So uh, listen to both because... Uh, Half of Unpredictable will be on one, half of it will be on the other. And it is on to Unpredictable, speaking of which, uh, for another round of predictions. And we will get into round number 20 in just a second. But looking back at last week and how we did, and well, uh, what is it with us? One week we all get double figures. The next week we just do absolutely rubbish. And uh, this week it is the latter. Uh, Connor, you are this week's winner with six points. Oh, dear. Um what did you get? You got three two-pointers, so uh, not much about that. Uh, I come in second. I got one five-pointer, and it was that Man City United spot on. Chappers, you are once again this week's loser, and you have two points to show for your earnings. So Excellent. Uh, as things stand, scores on the doors after 19 rounds. Chappers has 110. I have 136. And Connor has 100. And 54. As we go into round number 20 for the midweek games, and with United and Wednesday done, we move on to the championship game, which is Rotherham United in 22nd against Derby County or Wayne Rooney's Derby County, as we should rightfully say, in 18th position. Seven o'clock kickoff tomorrow night as well, also on iFollow. Uh, I'm going to go 2 1 Derby. Um, Rotherham, they've looked okay, but with Rotherham, they're down that end of the table. Derby have improved recently. Yeah, good result for them at the weekend. 2-1 Derby for me. Connor? This is a tough one to predict, obviously. That's why I've put it in. And it's, yeah. a, it's a massive game at the bottom of the league. And Derby under Wayne Rooney looked like a, a fairly decent in, decent side, probably mid-table side, you'd say, in, in recent form. So I think they will be okay uh, come the end of the season. Rotherham are on a decent run, to be fair. They've, they lost at the weekend at home to Swansea. They're off the back of a 3-0 win at, at Middlesbrough, 3-3 draw at home to Stoke, and a 1-0 win at Derby in the reverse fixture. All five of Derby's last league games have finished 1-0. Three of them they've won, two of them they've lost. But I, I fancy this to book the trend a little bit. I think it'll be a, a high-intensity game uh, with a lot on the line. Rotherham like to press high up the pitch. And I'm fancying a 2-2 draw. I think it's going to be difficult to separate the sides. Um, and, but yeah, I'm going to sit on the fence and go for a 2-2, which might come back to bite me because a lot of Derby games seem to finish 1-0 at the minute. So Connor is going for a full Desmond, a 2-2. Uh, I've gone 2-1, Chappers. Yeah, I'm uh, not going to book that trend, unfortunately. I'm going to say 1-0 Rotherham here. Um, I think it'd be very tight. <laughs> Not a great deal of quality, probably in the final third. 1-0 Rotherham. 1-0 Rotherham for Chappers. So all of it, so one of us is getting some points regardless. Uh, into the Premier League and it is Wolves up against Arsenal. It is on BT Sport 1 at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. So it's the uh, same time as our game. 14th place Wolves take on 10th positioned Arsenal. And oh my... Right, I'm not going to say what happened. I'm going to go 2-0 to Arsenal. Chappers. 
Uh, I'm just going to find my... Oh, my days. I've just seen what's happened. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 to Arsenal as well. Um, Wolves really struggling. They are picking up some shocking results and they are very quickly dropping down that table. 2-0 uh, Arsenal. 2-0 Arsenal for me. 2-0 Arsenal for Chappers. Connor? Yeah, 2-0 Arsenal. Wolves winless in nine Premier League games. It's very concerning for Nuno's side. And yeah, like Chappers said... The, the result at Chelsea was a good one. They played really, they defended really well, and that gives you a little bit of confidence. But I think at home, they're probably not going to sit in as deep. They'll probably fancy their chances against Arsenal a bit more and leave themselves a bit more open against a rejuvenated Arsenal side, really, who probably a little bit disappointed that they couldn't get a win against Man United. But in, in generally speaking, the form's massively improved, and uh, I fancy them to get the win here. 2 0 for I don't think that's happened. I can't remember the last time, if that's ever happened, that we've all gone for exactly the same result. And I genuinely didn't know that either. I put my prediction first. No, neither did I. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So if it does come in 2-0, I, I, well, everything Imagine. gets thrown out the window. Anyway, moving onwards, Leeds United in 12th are taking on Everton in 8th. That's on BT Sport 3. Wednesday night, 7.30 kickoff. Uh, Connor. Yeah, Leeds are always tough to predict. It's why I've put a lot of the games in, to be fair. You know, they can blow hot and cold. They looked absolutely fantastic at Leicester at the weekend. Um, but they'll also have some games where they, they look pretty terrible. And Brighton, the, the latest home game, was a, a rare performance where Leeds created absolutely nothing. Um, so it's difficult to predict. They're off the back of two wins, but I fancy Everton to win this 3-1. I think that Leeds will leave themselves exposed at the back and... With the players that Evan have got, I think they'll have too much for them. Just a quick one, by the way, just just in case it did happen. Uh, Arsenal to win 2 0 against Wolves is currently on the bookies at 10 to 1. Not bad. Long odds. Yeah. Gamble responsibly. So, absolutely. Uh, Connor is going for a 3 1 Everton victory. I'm going for a 2 1 Everton victory. Uh, Everton are pretty good when it comes to away games and Leeds' best form is when they're on the road as well. But they're at uh, in West Yorkshire for this one. So 2-1 Everton for me, Chappers. Yeah, Leeds are... I had this conversation with one of my mates the other day. Leeds are such a horrendous team to predict. You wouldn't bet on them and you wouldn't bet against them because you just don't know. Literally anything could happen when, when Leeds play and they are potentially the most unpredictable team in the Premier League at the minute because any result could happen when they play. Uh, I'm actually going to go 2-1 Leeds uh, in this one. I think it's just one of those games that they're probably going to somehow win. Everton have not quite been at the races recently. They've had a very mixed run of form. They've lost the, well, they lost at the weekend, obviously, against Newcastle. They drew the game before that. Um, so, you know, they've not won in a few games in the league anyway. I'm going to say 2-1 Leeds. 2-1 leads for Chappers. Um, right, okey-doke. Uh, moving on, we finish up with a battle between the Claret and Blue. It's the Claret and Blue derby. It is Aston Villa against West Ham United. Ninth up against fifth. 8-15 kickoff on Wednesday night. BT Sport 2's got you covered. Now, I'm going to be honest, this one, I, I want to say a draw. I really think this is going to be a draw. We obviously remember that that game last season at the London Stadium was the point that kept Villa in the Premier League. Um, 
I'm going to say 2-1 West Ham, though. I, I just think West Ham, they've had that defeat against Liverpool, and I think they're going to go to Villa Park, and they're going to get three points. Villa, they, there's potential for a win, there's potential for a draw, and there's potential for an away win, obviously. But I'm going to say West Ham 2-1. Connor? Yeah, I think Villa, they'll either win, lose, or draw. But I, I think Villa will win this one. Um, it's... Again, another really tough one to predict because, like you mentioned, that game last season, these two teams have come so far since then. You know, that was going to be, uh, it could have even been a relegation playoff on the last day. Now, you're looking at it thinking, well, this is a, a six pointer to try and break into the top seven, really. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it could really go either way. But I think Villa might just edge it 1 0. 1 0 Villa for Connor and Chappers finishes off. Yeah. West Ham, when you say two teams that are in very different positions now compared to last season, no more so than West Ham before the weekend, obviously playing against Liverpool. They'd not lost a game since pre-Christmas, since the 21st of December, they'd not lost a game. And in fact, the, the majority of them, they'd actually won. Um, I'm going to go for that this time around as well. I think West Ham are going to win 2-0. Uh, they have been, they've, they've played some you know excellent performances um, in recent weeks. And I think uh, they're going to get... A victory over Villa this time out as well. Villa have been that well. They've had a bit of inconsistency lately. They lost three of the last five, um, and I think West Ham will capitalise on that two 0 Two 0 for Chappers, and uh, that's unpredictable done. And that's almost as far as we go this evening. Uh, just before we go, we have the quiz question. Chappers, give us a reminder. Yeah, I asked you uh, about the championship, and one team in the top ten in the championship has a negative goal difference. Who is it? Is it Luton? It is not. They are not in the top ten. <laughs> um, but they not. do have a negative goal difference. It's yeah. I think... Barnsley? No, they are 12th in the Championship, but they do have a negative goal difference. Oh, are Bristol man. City in the top ten? Bristol City are the correct answer. Oh, they shit. have uh, a minus one goal difference. So only just. Uh, they have conceded 28 but scored 27 so a minus one goal difference they are the only team to have a negative goal difference they're one of those kind of teams that just you think they might be on a negative goal difference they always end up shipping a few but, uh, but currently they sat ninth in the table ninth in the table and I did, funny enough a bit ago I was on the championship table but uh, I did not look at all and I will hold my hand I did not look whatsoever I was looking at Wednesday so uh, that is your lot from Football Forum uh, for this evening's action and uh, we will be back as we say on Thursday there will be a separate United and Wednesday midweek review uh, for you to uh, to digest um, the first of February, uh, the first of the February midweek reviews, and uh, we're getting ever closer to the Champions League. That's back in a couple of weeks' time. But that is your lot. So from me, Chappers and Connor, and all the team here on Football Forum, we will see you on Thursdays. So from all of us, take care. Good night. Shoe Radio. So Bringing you the latest football news from Sheffield and beyond. This is Shoe Football Forum.